Power Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. What happens when we listen to the music we love? It can trigger a change in mood, a flood of memories, or maybe, in my case anyway, uncontrollable, socially inappropriate dancing with accompanying laughter. That's what happens here at my house. My guest on today's show is Bill Protzman. He believes that Listening to the music you love can activate vulnerability, power forgiveness, and build resilience. With attention and intention, he says, we can use music to get through hard times. So are you ready to meet him? Bill Protzman's mission is to raise awareness of the power of music as self-care. He's an expert on the power of music for physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. He holds magna cum laude degrees in piano performance and creative writing, and he's led a successful IT consulting practice for more than 30 years. In 2011, Bill launched Music Care Inc., a for-purpose corporation to teach and advocate for practical ways music can be used for your self-care. He was recognized by the National Council for Behavioral Health with an award of excellence in 2014. That's the industry equivalent of winning an Oscar. You can find out more about Bill and his work at quest.musiccare.net. Bill, welcome to Out of the Fog. Hey, Karen. Hey, everybody. So glad to be here. Happy Monday-ish to all of you. (laughs) Thank you. It's good to have you back on the program. What does happen when we listen to music we love? Because it's more than just sort of vaguely feeling good. What, What happens when we turn that on? Well, just like someone that you know well, you engage more deeply when you have a relationship already. And if songs have been with you for a long time because they mean something to you or because you like them or just whatever, those are your power songs. So you are completely open, completely available, completely present in a way that you're not when you hear background music, for example. And that openness and that presence, that vulnerability is where everything happens, as you know. What you talk and teach about responding holistically to music you love. Is that even a step deeper than what you just said? I think so. And you mentioned attention and intention. So if if your intention is on anything, if your intention is for healing, if your intention is for whatever, um, that brings you into a place where you're more receptive, I guess is a good way of saying it, to the change, to the transformation that can happen. So with music, some people like to say, yeah, I listen to music as I work out, right? So there's a physical reason for that. There's an intention behind that. But music isn't just physical. As you're working out, your music is probably also inspiring you. So there's that spiritual aspect to it right there. They've got physical and spiritual in the same piece of music. And then, of course, I mean, if, if you're a runner and you've ever experienced that amazing runner's high, there's that um, emotional kind of thing that goes with it. And, of course, We can trick our brains, so there's also that mental thing that helps your endurance because your mind isn't always thinking, oh, gosh, can I make it, can I make it, can I make it? Your mind's in the flow. 
So music is this wonderful thing because it does that holistically. It does the physical stuff, does the mental stuff, does the emotional stuff, and it does the spiritual stuff. And that's holistic right there. How did you discover this? How did you make these connections? Well, you know, it's, I kind of work backwards into it. In IT, people might call me a reverse engineer. I like to work through problems from the problem and get back to the solution. And I think it happened that way in, in music too, Karen, because I've played music for all my life. I'm a piano player from way back. But the awareness of what music was doing to me is something that happened more gradually. And, you know, there's no like light bulb moment. It's an evolutionary thing. You get it and then you get a little bit more and you get a little bit more. And since around 20, maybe 2005, maybe 2010, there's been an explosion of research where music is the stimulus. Most of it's neuroscience. Um, there are a whole bunch of interesting fields of, of endeavor right now that are related to our neuro, neuro, neurological system, how the brain works. But the, um, the really interesting stuff has come through the American Music Therapy Association and the research is being done by music therapists that want to know why. You know, like why when I put these headphones on a person who is otherwise suffering from advanced stages of dementia, why do they come alive and dance and talk and sing? And, and the research on that has been fantastic just to see how music can affect us. And, you know, I don't think they've got an answer that says, well, this is why it happens, but we can certainly observe the effects. And as that research has come along to support my sort of curiosity into why things are working with music, it's, it's been such a beautiful journey to find that things that I've relied on about music all my life actually are well-grounded in science and there's plenty of evidence. And even though they're thousands of year old, um, we have modern science that can, can give us the confidence. It's not just a belief anymore. It's an actual result that you can expect from using music with intent. Isn't that cool? It's very cool. And it's, I think it takes something that we may tend to think of as just entertainment or just background noise or just part of a collection of cultural influences like what we were. I'm thinking about music that I remember, what I was wearing that year, what was happening to me. And it, and it makes it something even more meaningful. It makes it a tool for healing. Exactly. A very powerful one. And, you know, there's reasons that the monks chant in old Catholic churches, right? And, and that the, there's someone who sings songs during an ayahuasca ceremony and that we worship in church with whatever music that makes us come alive. And there's a reason for that. And it's kind of a softening. It sort of opens us up to, to whatever the thing is that's on our plate, whatever that might be. Could be study, could be worship, could be transformation. And in, in that beautiful place, it does something else, which it brings us together. Just the music. And we all know what that feels like. You mentioned going to a dance. Like some music just makes me want to dance as well. And isn't it great to be able to dance with a bunch of people in this crowded dance floor and just do that? Can't wait to do that again. So there's this invitation in music to, to join together over a common purpose. And that and sort of makes it so much, more, so much bigger than you or me. It's like us. Yeah. Well, and, 
And for me personally, because I'm of an age and size and constitution where I'm not out dancing with people on a crowded dance floor anytime, but when I'm dancing my crazy dances <laughs> in my office by myself to music that moves me and it's a celebration or it's a morning or it's being energized for the next thing that's coming, when I'm moving my body to the music, no matter what it might look like from you know, the curious neighbors going, what is she doing in there? No matter what it might look at from the outside, that's changing me, I imagine, like biochemically as well. Something's happening. I'm, I'm getting something started through that physical movement. Yeah, we, we can trace like all the, all the great brain chemistry can be traced back to music. So dopamine is there, uh, serotonin is there. The music can release that stuff. We just respond that way. Human beings are built to respond to sound and rhythm in very healthy ways and also in warning ways like here's scary music and and you mm. okay this isn't a great thing right now i'd better pay attention be careful and um th that's one of the incredible things that science is helping us to understand like why is it when you walk out into a forest the sound of the birds the sound of the wind in the trees is so good for you so um, that sound trigger science is going to give us the answer to that eventually but hey, you know what? It's, it's so beautiful because it's self-evident. And anyone who walks out into a forest has the opportunity, it's an invitation, right, to, to respond that way. Even if you're resistant to it, you can't help it because your ears communicate with your brain way before your actual consciousness understands what's going on. We're talking milliseconds here, but it's like 100 times longer before your brain gets it. Your body's already responding. Isn't that gorgeous? It's beautiful. So... It, like many things, at least I'm finding on the spiritual path, something's happening whether I'm aware of it or not. Do you know what I mean? Uh, exactly, and, yes. And, and so how can we learn or practice being more holistic responders to music so that we can tap into some of these benefits? The music is affecting us whether we're aware of it or not, but when we put, focus our attention on it, our intention, as you say, it can change. How can we learn to do that? Oh, lots of ways in on that one. Um, I, I think meditation is probably a well-known way that people try to quiet the conscious mind to sort of check in with what's going on in the subconscious mind. And I'm being very general about those terms, but the idea is if you can turn off the dialogue and, you know, I've got a really good one. It's just it's always rattling away up there. <laughs> you know, there are people in my head talking to me and me talking back and figuring things out. When that can be stopped, then you're in a place of presence that's completely different because the chatter has gone and you're more open and listening. Mm -hmm. And what you might hear in that place, if you're in meditation, is, you know, a completely different thing than what you might hear in that place if you're on the dance floor. But that presence is the same presence. It may not be stillness, and people often equate music with stillness, but that's not wrong. It's just only part of what music does. You know, it upregulates too. And you can experience that wonderful rush of upregulation with music if you're present to it, the same way that you can with music if you're um, being intensely quiet. So th many ways in on this, but once you stop the chatter, oh my gosh, there's so much richness there. There's what people are now referring to as a heart math as a company that does this, but there's, there's intuition that you can respond to that comes from your heart and gut that you don't often hear 
if like me, you're busy talking to yourself all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So music allows us not only to silence the chatter, which is actually better if you use no words in the music, like music with lyrics sometimes doesn't do that as well as um, even plain chant where you don't understand the language. So keeping the words out, let your mind rest so that the rest of you mm. can, can um, give you insight, give you inspiration, help give you direction. You can check in with yourself that deeply when you're that present. Is there a way that maybe someone could choose a certain piece of music, something that they know has meaning for them? Is there a way they could prepare themselves or prepare a space to listen more deeply? Sure. Um, I like to use somatic listening, which means that you listen with your five senses. And this takes some imagination. But even music that we've heard hundreds of times, like the song Happy Birthday, it's just sticking in my mind. Even that has deeper meaning for us. If you learn to listen to it um, and, and ask yourself questions like, what do I see? If I close my eyes and listen to Happy Birthday, what do I see right now? What do I taste? You know, the birthday cake, can you experience that? What do I smell? The candles burning or blown out the smoke? So these ways of allowing yourself to feel with the five senses, what you hear, <laughs> and yes, you might hear other things like people singing alongside you or whatever. These ways of, of opening up your perception of your music, uh, they're tricks, but they work pretty well because <laughs> our brain, our conscious brain doesn't know the difference between an actual stimulus or one that we imagine. We respond the same way. So inviting yourself to hear music that's so meaningful to you in a new way, like hearing it with your taste buds. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I love it. That can open up new information in that music that's been there all along. It's just now you're in a place where you can hear it or taste it in the same, in the same way. Finding yourself um, newly inspired by songs that have been around you forever. You're listening to Out of the Fog, and I'm talking with Bill Protzman. We're talking about listening to music, responding holistically, and how that can be a tool for healing and self-care. You can find out more about Bill and his work at quest.musiccare.net. So taking what you just said, allowing ourselves to experience music fully with um, all of our senses engaged, with our bodies engaged, with our attention and intention engaged, how can that help open us up to vulnerability, to forgiveness even, to healing? There's a lot of insight in your question, Karen, and there's a very powerful way that that works. So if, if you're listening right now, you know, put on your Batman tights because we're going deep. <laughs> Wait, I have to wear tights? Darn it. I, oh, well, never mind. Or a cape. How about that? Put on your, your cape's much cape. easier. The tights would have, they'd be struggling. Okay, I got the cape on. I'm ready. You're good. Okay, so if you're going to go that deep into music, you have to bring your, um, your openness to it. And fortunately, music is a place where we can practice that. So what I like to do, for example, if I'm scared, is I'll find music that's scary and lets me experience my fear more deeply. 
Now that nothing's going to happen. I'm just, I'm just sitting there being scared. There's no stimulus. I'm just in this place where my head is afraid and, and I want to fully allow that fear. And by putting on scary music, it does that. It like gets me into that place safely so I can be good and afraid. Why would I want to do that? Well, because there's power in there. You know, we all talk about facing our fears. Mm-hmm. We don't have to wait in real life for something scary to show up and, and, you know, frighten the bejesus out of you. With music, you can give yourself a physiological fear response and remember being open to it to see how you do, like boot camp. How does Bill play in fear? And at first, that could be, honestly, frightening. But with practice, you can become accustomed to how that works and how your body responds. At first, your mind goes nuts, right? And then you quiet your mind, and you come back in your body, and you feel tense. And then you begin to work with that, and that converts into um, energy where you can, you're ready to jump in any direction at your own control instead of just responding to something that's out there scaring you. So music is like this beautiful um, it's like a tennis court. You can go out there and hit balls with a ball machine all day long, right? And, and sharpen up your responses. And so music will do that, provided that you're willing to allow it. You know, it's, it, it's hard to do that fear work if you have resistance to fear. But that's what vulnerability is all, all about. It's like opening up, taking a risk to see how Bill works, you know, in that environment with that scary music playing. And you, you can learn some great tools in that place. In, um, in, the, in 1989, I was living and working in San Francisco. And on the day of the big San Francisco earthquake, mm-hmm. I was sitting at my desk in the place where I was working. And I had my headphones on. And I was listening to a Kate Bush album. Remember Kate Bush? Yes. And there's, so the song Hounds of Love was playing. And as Hounds of Love was playing, the earthquake started. And I got through the earthquake. Okay. I hit under a desk and we all got out safe and it was everything, everything was okay. Um, But it was a really scary experience. And it was so long, Bill, before I could even listen to that song again and hear it as that song, a song that I had liked for a really long time without associating it with the earthquake. Because when I tried to listen to it, I had a almost, I guess, a a visceral Visceral, response because that song had become associated with something really scary. Can we use this kind of holistic response, this vulnerability, this being able to kind of go into the, mm, go into the fear, fear to experience it and observe it. Could we use it to defuse songs that have come to mean something other than what they meant before? Yes. Um, Great question. It works with love songs, too, because we all have a love song that we liked before we fell in love and then the relationship <laughs> ended, right? Oh, so that then, song. Yeah. That song. So reclaiming your song, right? Um, clearly, the association is there. And this is something that I'm sure is quite common for folks who've been traumatized in war or in any other way. And um, being able to take back your music, essentially, and reframe it is a really great way of working with the song and uh, that's exactly the experience that um, it's described in most of the great movies out there the heroic journey right Mm. it's not i mean it looks small but it's that same thing it's like facing your fear but not just facing it approaching it with confidence that 
yes, indeed, there is something in this experience for me that I will find and that will be released by my vulnerability and willingness to walk into it deeply. And this is, a, this is such a perfect example. And now I want to go and listen to Hounds of Love again, <laughs> right? Because I'm going to think of you every time, oh. right? And, and that process is just, oh, it's such a beautiful invitation, you know, Karen? Um, and yes, it's also a little scary up front, but you have the opportunity now and the way that you've set it up is so beautiful to be able to go back in and listen with the intention to learn what it is in there for you that, that is facing your fear and how to reframe that and change that into something beautiful. And I can't predict how that's going to happen, but the process is one, it's a well-worn trail. It's a narrow trail and it's yours, but so many have, have taken that journey before that you can be confident you, you will be able to take it as well and survive. Do you have experience with people who create their own music in response to what happens in their life? Not just people who are famous composers, but people who make their own sounds or make their own songs in response to what's happening with them? Yeah, you know, on the few occasions that I've been privileged to work with some amazing jazz musicians, um, that process is one that they would call improv because improv, imp improvising comes out of your whole musical life. And it, it, all of, the, of what your lived experience is and your abilities as artists and musicians comes alive in that moment where somebody says, you know, some blues in A, three, four, and bang, and you're off. Mm -hmm. And that, that is how it works. So in that kind of a sense, yes, I've also been present for people who are writing songs out of their own experience and um, help to shepherd that process along part of a veterans band. And we're just recording an album of our band leaders, original songs. And it's impossible to hear this music and, and hear the lyrics without knowing what it is that my friend has gone through in his lifetime to come to that place. Uh, a lot of people call this uh, therapeutic music and there are music therapists who help guide people through the songwriting experience as a function of their own growth. Oh. And that's phenomenal too. And if you have a chance to do that, find a music therapist who wants to take you through. It's like, you know, writing therapy or storytelling. Great stuff. So yes, I, I've been privileged to be a part of that. And I've also uh, recorded an album that sort of came out of my own life of music that I probably will never play again because it was all in the moment. I know we only have a couple minutes left together, and I'm wondering, what are you listening to? What's getting you through this difficult year? Oh, what a great question. I've started a little group on LinkedIn where I share a song a day. And uh, if you find me on Spotify, I've got my current top 40 up there so people can see. There, this has been such an interesting year for music. And uh, the, the name that sticks with me right now that I want to raise up is Alexi Murdoch who is a singer-songwriter and has written songs that are so close to the heart and so resonant with where we all are this year in 2020 that it's, it's hard to turn away from them, right? They just grab you and you want to be there and want to be in the music. So take a listen. Alexi's great. How do we find you on Spotify? Oh, search for my name, Bill Protzman, and you can see how to spell that in the show notes. And you'll find um, the stuff that I do there. All the albums are there. And then some of the playlists are there too. And is that how we find you on LinkedIn? 
Um, also by name, yes. I, I have a very limited social media presence. So look for me, Spotify, LinkedIn, and the website, and you'll find me quick. I'm not very good at Spotify. I have an 18-year-old son who just rolls his eyes. He'll send me music, and I'll be like, <laughs> what is this? What is this link? I can't. He's like, it's Spotify, mother. It's just, oh, just give me your phone. And then he makes it be Spotify. Um, so, th so thank you for the, <laughs> for the clarification. How can listeners get in touch with you and find out more about your work? Well, the, the Music Care Quest is a great place to start. I'm going to suggest one other thing, too, because there's a lot of pain right now. Yeah. And if you're out there looking for music for pain, um, Palliative Music Care is an organization that is doing amazing things. And I've joined with them to help make it all work. P-A-L-L-Music.org, palmusic.org. And we want to make a million pain-free music care listeners by New Year's. What do you think? Can we do it? Wow. Well, I'm one. Um, I'll be one when, as soon as I type it in. 999. <laughs> <laughs> so that's P-A-L-L-Music.org. So listeners, go ahead and check that out. Um, Bill, thank you for being on the program. It's really good to talk to you. Thank you, Karen. What a blast. Thank you. That is Bill Protzman. Now you can find out more about Bill and his work at quest.musiccare.net. Take up that challenge. Let's get a million listeners to Palliative Music by going to pallmusic.org. You can also check him out on Spotify. My 18-year-old son can tell you how, but just search for Bill Protzman on Spotify to see his top 40 and his own work and check him out on LinkedIn as well so that you can join that group. And of course, you're always welcome over at KarenHager.com. It's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events. You can also book a private session with me there if you're so inclined. And if you believe, as I do, that when we focus our positive intention on change in the world, and when we follow that up with meaningful action, we really do make a difference. If you agree with that, please check out openpeacefulheart.com. That's a project I've been doing with my wife for, gosh, more than four years now, I think, where we meet the first Sunday of every month for 15 minutes of guided meditation that calls free and open to all that focuses on peace in our hearts and peace in the world. That's at openpeacefulheart.com. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.